Hi, this is Dr. Sean Handorp, clinical psychologist and health behavior expert, and this is the Motivation Made Easy podcast. Each week, I'll be bringing you science-backed information, strategies, and inspiration to master your relationship with food so that you can feel in control of your habits, respect your body, and free your mind to focus on the things in life that truly matter. I'm a clinical psychologist, and I've had years of experience doing research and patient care in the field of weight management and eating disorders. So I've had the insider view on understanding what works and what we're getting very, very wrong. In this podcast, you'll find practical information and tips based on motivation science, interviews from experts, and stories from real people and how they've navigated their relationship with food. My goal is to empower you with information, inspire you to make changes that fit you, and feel 100% supported along the way. So settle in and make yourself comfortable, and get excited to learn and take action for a better, healthier, more energized life. Hey everyone, Dr. Hondor Pierre, and this week I'm going to share some of my reflections regarding the Health at Every Size movement and some of my thoughts and why I love it and believe in it and why I believe it's not more widely adopted in medical settings as well as the community at large. So I'm going to share some of the reflections I've had with some colleagues um, who ascribe or who are aligned with health at every size and who are not as much, as well as some of my clients. And I'm also going to share how I currently conceptualize the movement for myself, how it's shaped the language that I use and the approach that I take. And I think this is a really incredibly important conversation for the healthcare field, um, but also for individuals because you get the, a glimpse into the process of adopting a new thinking pattern. And really, as you know, most of the conversations in this podcast have kind of alluded to that this is just not something we're trained in. And also, there's strong opinions in these fields. And there's a lot of shame running around. Everyone knows I love to talk about shame. So we're going to dive into all of the things I think, like I said, why I really love this movement and some areas where I think we could all do better to not be too rigid and dogmatic in our approach. So make yourself comfortable and let's dive in. If you're new here, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. Welcome to the podcast. You might be wondering what this podcast and blog are all about. So we relate everything in the podcast back to motivation, but not the hustle and grind kind. Truly sustainable motivation that keeps you feeling energized and engaged in your life for the long haul. So we talk about why I'm just not motivated as a myth and why your type of motivation is so important to fully understand. If you're ready to learn about motivation and respecting your body in an effective way so you can truly live a life you love, then you are in the right place. Check out our foundational episodes of the Motivation Made Easy podcast in the link in the show notes. You'll see the introduction and links to the first four episodes, which really give you the groundwork of understanding the theory of self-determination self theory, what we're talking about here. So, I'm terrified I'm wasting my life. I wrote this quote in a journal in the middle of my diet binge cycle, and frankly, it kind of was. 
I'm here to tell you it's never too late to truly gain control of your eating, respect your body, and live a life that's truly consistent with your values. But you need to take the first step. One of the very first steps in developing truly autonomous and body respecting motivation is to clarify what matters to you. Not your mom, not your sister, not your best friend, you. The more you reflect on this, the more you can connect your values to your behaviors in a sustainable and empowering way. Grab your free guide to get started at drhondorf.com forward slash goals. I promise you this is a really valuable exercise and it's never too late to stop dieting and start truly living. You're not going to regret this. So before we dive in, my normal reminder that this podcast and blog is for educational and informational purposes only and is not to be construed as any form of medical, nutritional, or professional advice. If you need a professional, you should find one. All right, so let's dive in. The health at every size, movement, and really what I think of as a framework. Maybe I just like the term framework because I use it for intuitive eating. But just like intuitive eating, I think of health at every size as a framework, a way of viewing or orienting towards our health, weight, eating, etc. Dr. Lindo Bacon wrote the book Health at Every Size in 2010. So 11 years, really not been that long. I found the book and read it soon after I read Intuitive Eating. I believe for me it was 2014 or 15. And then I, you know, remained working in a healthcare system, worked in a preventive cardiology clinic and a bariatric surgery clinic for uh, almost seven years until leaving Uh, about seven months ago. So just, you know, we have other uh, podcasts that have talked a little bit more in depth about health at every size, but just to review some data, after initially reading the book, I was struck, and I highly recommend the book to everyone, by the way, I was struck by the arguments that Dr. Bacon made with regards to really our current approach to weight loss. And as we often talk about, The stats you hear are true. Behavioral weight loss, like diet and exercise, is really ineffective for most people long-term. So she gives those stats. She reminds us that when we're looking at the fact that higher weights or higher body mass index is associated with higher health risk at times, not in every study, but, you know, particularly at higher BMIs it is, and We are not taking into account other things like stress, internalized weight bias and stigma, many other factors that greatly impact our health just beyond the number on the scale. And as I often say, we cannot randomly assign one human to lose weight and keep it off and the other one to not very well because weight loss is so ineffective. And also, we can't really randomly assign people to be at and stay at a certain weight And this research is almost impossible to do. So we can't determine cause. We can't determine that your weight is causing health risks. Um, It's more, much more complicated than that. And there's a lot more there. In my first episode of this podcast, I reviewed one of the data or studies regarding health habits. And I will often refer to this. So this idea that if you're regularly engaging in exercise, balanced eating, not drinking alcohol to excess and not smoking, your risk of death is similar or the same essentially regardless of your body mass index. So they studied these behaviors across someone with a quote unquote normal body mass index and overweight and obese. So you can check out that post. 
for a visual of the graph. But one thing that I am still wrapping my head around is really the social justice component um, beyond just the data and the health risks, which I love data. I think that's really important. Um, but focusing too much on that can even be stigmatizing, sort of like, well, if you're in a larger body, that's okay as long as you're exercising all the time and eating perfectly and well, then you can like feel good about yourself. The social component of this movement is really more fully outlined in Dr. Bacon's newer book, um, Body Respect, which I've heard is wonderful and I fully intend to read, but I just haven't got to it yet. Um, but essentially, fat phobia or discrimination against people due to their body size, their weight, weight bias, weight discrimination, whatever you want to call it, um, is crucial to consider we actually want to move towards health and being healthier human beings. You know, we talk in self-determination theory about belonging, a sense of belonging and relatedness being key to long-term change. Well, that is something that if you don't fit the norm of what we should look like, um, if you don't have that sort of privilege. My guest the other day talked about size privilege. I had heard thin privilege, but you could call it size privilege or thin privilege. But if you don't have that, the reality is that you don't get the same treatment in essentially many settings, healthcare, work settings, social settings, a lot. So this book, well, I actually, I was going to say I read the book, but I listened to it because I listened to everything. I was really like, okay, this makes sense. And yet it really questions a very ingrained paradigm, a weight centric paradigm. And very few people in healthcare have heard about health at every size, or if they've heard about it, they may have dismissed it to some extent because they don't understand the nuances or they have myths about it. And even among those who still know about it, it's still very misunderstood. And I'll be honest, I'm still learning myself and, you know, I still have a lot to learn. So we talked about some of the myths on my previous episode with Anique Vesso. Um, that was a really popular episode and I highly recommend you check it out. But again, there's still a whole lot of myths and misconceptions and it's still not very widely accepted or known. So let's go, let's talk about some of the myths that I'm still seeing. Um, some of these myths are health at every size is against weight loss and that this movement might normalize really unhealthy habits like eating a lot of processed foods and that's not good for anyone. Other myths are health at every size is promoting weight gain by normalizing unhealthy body sizes. Um, that was sort of brought up by a lot of my medical colleagues and in a previous episode that was brought up as a concern that if we normalize it too much, even among kids, that parents might not be concerned about their kids' health because of, you know, the normalization of being in a larger body, even as a young kid. And so that's, I mean, I would say that's something that, and as we talked about on the episode that was with Dr. Mary Dagan, that um, we still don't, we still have to like study further. I know there's been some research on it, but these are new and evolving concepts and there's a lot of components. So it's challenging to study, but you know, it's something we need to keep an eye on. And that's one of my points in this whole podcast is that we need to be having more respectful, productive conversations versus just saying this movement is good or bad or anyone who ascribes to it or doesn't 
is good or bad because that is not helpful. So the other myth is that it's anti-health promoting behaviors and I that's very much not the case. When you talk to health at every size practitioners or professionals, they're very much helping people they work with move towards health promoting behaviors. But I think sometimes it gets lost in like social media and the one, the four words health at every size, like it just gets lost in the nuances. So, and also the, the um, movement is not saying that everyone is and can be healthy at every size. It's just saying we need to look at health in a more comprehensive, less weight centric way, which I very much believe in. So there are groups of people that feel very unseen by health at every size that I think is important to acknowledge. Um, I see professionals and people that I work with assume that health at every size might just be, you know, sort of promoted by a certain type of person, maybe even the stereotype of like a thinner Caucasian woman, which I would obviously fall into, um, without a full understanding of what it's like to be in a larger body. And people who are in a larger body who decide to get weight loss or weight loss surgery um, might feel like they're not accepted by this group and that they're doing something wrong. And I don't think that needs to be the case at all. Um, And I'll talk a little bit about why, but I think this framework is useful for everyone within the framework. I think that there is a lot of freedom of choice to do what's best for you and your health, kind of like we talked about with intuitive eating last week. So the way I see the health at every size movement is that when we remove the extreme shame from both sides, remove the shame for body size, I also think it's really important that we remove the shame of yelling at people who don't ascribe to health at every size or they don't understand or they they use terms that might that might seem harmful. So the term food addiction, I'm going to have an episode on this entirely. This is a very controversial term that I didn't even know was very controversial, which I've been in this field for a long time. Um, But some people in the health at every size movement don't like the term. Um, But I don't think that it's all that helpful. Well, shame is never a useful change tool, as we know. And So we don't want to shame people for their body size. We want to move towards more accepting, um, you know, accepting body diversity, accepting that health is more complex than just eating and exercise and just weight. There's more to it. But also, I think it's really important to also say that we need to move away from there. You know, there are people in the health at every size community. I don't see it a lot, but I have seen it. Those are the louder ones get seen, right? where they can be shaming against anyone who uses terms like food addiction, weight management, things like that. And I think that's really unhelpful. And I think it comes from a deep sense of like hurt and outrage. And I think that's valid, but I think it's just an unhelpful way to move forward the conversation. And I think some of these things are really nuanced. So when you say you can never work on weight loss, um, that is also a little bit too rigid and dogmatic and again, I don't think most professionals say this. This is why after some deliberation, I identify as a health at every size professional because um, I believe in everything that I've seen written in it. I just don't believe in some of the extreme shaming that uh, occasionally certain members of the group might do. So 
So the question, you know, can I support the health at every size movement and still choose bariatric surgery or be a provider who still is open to um, working with folks who are looking into the pros and cons of that choice? And if you know me by now, you probably aren't surprised that I think the answer is yes. I think autonomy means full choice without excessive pressure. So that means within any framework, intuitive eating, health at every size, we or you as an individual chooses what feels right for you. And, you know, do we need to rethink our obsession with weight loss as the end all be all and pressure towards surgery? Uh, yes. Yes, we do. And I think that's it's a very nuanced discussion, and if there's interest, we can go into that in more depth at some point. But is that, you know, choosing that surgery the right choice for some people once they're fully informed about the risk and benefits for them? Um, you know, with, with surgery, there's always, like, you can't fully know the risk and benefit because you don't know how your body's going to respond. But if we give them the information that we have about the risk and benefits, then absolutely, I think that again, people have full autonomy. We need to not pressure people into that and say it's the only choice for them. But I think I think that these are nuanced, difficult conversations, but I also think there is room for all of it. So what about the question, can you support the health at every size movement and still choose to focus on health promoting fields like plant-based education, lifestyle medicine, etc.? And again, I'm sure you're not surprised. I absolutely think the answer is yes. And I think it's crucial that we do so because I think that we could have this framework and still choose to research and understand concepts like food addiction, even though that's a very controversial term. They, basically the idea that there are foods that are designed to very much hook us and we are marketed heavily and we are losing autonomy when that happens. And that is happening um, to more some groups more than others, and we need to be able to look at these things. We need to be able to call out the food industry for the things that they have done to our health. And I think you can call out the food industry and the weight loss diet industry at the same time. And I think that they are both foes that we need to fight, and you don't have to pick and choose one or the other. I also think that you can support health at every size and maybe plant-based nutrition, as a solution to some of the health-related as well as economic and environmental challenges we're having. So I really enjoyed um, an episode recently on the Veggie Doctor Radio with Dr. Yami, I don't know how to sit, Kazorla Lancaster. It's an excellent podcast. You should check it out. I think there they're having a lot of these conversations um, about health at every size and either plant-based nutrition. There was a really good one about food addiction on there that I'm going to talk about again in a future episode, but we can talk about both of these things. And it's going to be more productive if we don't live in the extremes of rigid dogmatic thinking on either side. So at times, maybe like me, you're not sure where you fully belong um, but what if you fully belong to yourself? So what I mean by that is Brene Brown talks about feeling the need to belong is normal. And self-determination says like that's a psychological need we all want to fulfill. To f increase your feeling of certainty and belonging, it's tempting to try to jump into one camp or the other and believe everything they believe. Like the health at every size community um, is one example or 
I don't know, the bariatric surgery community or the uh, lifestyle medicine plant-based community. But that's not always the right thing to do. That's not always best for like everyone. So I strongly believe we need to be having conversations with those that we disagree with respectfully to brainstorm, see where we can achieve common ground, brainstorm true health solutions and challenge old unhelpful assumptions, and also just understand where the person's coming from. Because, and I found this to be very challenging to be totally honest. I'm a people pleaser at heart. I hate upsetting people. Um, and putting myself out there online is, I find very challenging, not so much with the podcast per se, but with the social media and things. But I also truly believe in my heart that that's the best way to support autonomy is to have conversations with different people, health at every size, bariatric surgery, lifestyle medicine, plant-based nutrition. I don't know. I'm sure I'm missing some, right? But there's a lot to be gained across these fields. And if we don't work together, I don't think we're going to get very far. So those are some of my thoughts about health at every size and why it's not more widely adopted. I think main takeaways is that it's a still very misunderstood movement. I think there's a lot of reasons for this, but as many things in our world, we have become too polarized and dogmatic and rigid at times, which can be off-putting. I fully believe in everything health at every size and intuitive eating as a framework I've seen. I think they can grant autonomy and freedom under which individuals can make a variety of lifestyle and treatment choices that are best for them. And I believe that only you as an individual can know what's best for you. You can receive guidance, and I hope that you receive guidance that is not pressuring and is just informing you of your options without pressuring you to do one thing or the other. Health at every size, I do believe, is gaining traction. After reflection of what I'm seeing online, um, I still I think it's really offers a lot of hope to open up a more equitable and just conversations and more full health for all if we let it. And final main takeaway always, you are the boss of you. And I just want to remind you that you truly do know your body best. You know what it's like to live in your body. I don't know what it's like to live in your body. I only know what it's like to live in mine, right? We can all try to understand each other. We can listen. We can tell them what we know about various approaches. But I think this field is fascinating but complex. And that's one of the reasons I love it. But it's also there is no one size fits all. You can relearn to trust your body signals as well as yourself as you make decisions. This can be relearned. It'll probably feel scary, but that probably just means you are doing it right. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Before we go, I want to remind you that I heard the stat that if nothing slows their momentum, Amazon's going to have 80% of the book market by the end of 2025. I, like you, love the convenience of Amazon, but I have a super cool way that you can support local bookstores and my blog and podcast simply by buying books that you already buy. And the prices are very similar, sometimes more, sometimes less. Um, and they might take like a couple more days to get to you, but it's really quite quick and convenient. Um, you can choose any bookstore on the list in U.S. and Canada, and they directly get the, I believe it's 10% um, of the profits. So they, Bookshop gives 10% of the profits 
to back to their affiliates and then also back to the independent bookstores. So they, to date, have raised $15 million for local bookstores. And on my bookshop shop, you will see my absolute favorite books related to health and wellness. You'll see health at every size. You'll see intuitive eating. You'll see books on courage, vulnerability, and even my favorite fiction and kids books. Um, a recent favorite I read was Digital Minimalism. I know it's not directly related to health, but it's all about, you know, the impact of screens and technology and kind of weighing the pros and cons for you from a value-based place. It was also very non-shaming language, just sort of like you get to decide how much technology works in your life and it's an individual choice. And so as a family, we're going to try um, to reduce our screens and sort of reevaluate what we want to add in and, and not. So check out that book. If you buy anything from my link, which is in the show notes, I'll get a small commission as well as local bookstores. So it's a really, really great way to support local businesses and read some awesome books. All right, everyone, have a wonderful day and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for tuning in today. Your time is valuable and it means so much to me that you're here. Despite the title of this podcast, many of our topics are not always easy. Change is hard and let's face it, life and truly looking inward at ourselves can be uncomfortable. That's why I'm grateful. Grateful for you and your willingness to listen, learn, and keep an open mind. I invite you to learn more by going to drshawnhondorp.com or finding me on Instagram at psychology.of.wellness. If you're enjoying this podcast, it would be amazing if you could give it a review so more people can find it. Thanks, and I truly hope you have an energetic and inspired day.